Now for an episode in our series, Trying Something New. We're talking to women who've made a career change or picked up new skills post 40. As the retirement age rises, many of us will work into our 60s and even 70s. Time to channel Eos, the Greek goddess of new beginnings, with her insatiable desire for love and adventure. Sounds good? Okay, so are we retraining or rethinking? We want to hear about how you did it, why you did it, and was it worth it? Today we are delighted to be talking to Helen Raymond about a career transformation in her mid-40s. After graduating from university with a degree in English and drama, Helen works in administration and coordinator roles in the voluntary and community sector. Her son was born in 2006, followed by a daughter in 2008. Helen wanted to be a stay-at-home mum and spent over eight years away from the workplace, returning as a part-time neighbourhood warden in 2015. Both children now being in their teens, three years ago, age 46, Helen completed a full-time master's degree in social work and began working as a children's social worker in the West Midlands, where she lives and works. More importantly, of course, Helen and I were in a comedy group together in the early 90s. We performed at least a whole two gigs, one of which was completely drowned out by a number of people in the usually quiet pub who had gone to watch Blur and Oasis play football in Mile End Park. And um, I think we can say that Helen was the funny one. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. You were the funny one, Caroline. (laughs) Helen, are you feeling on the right side of 40 today in real life? Definitely the right side of 40. Yes, I think life kind of comes together. I felt so much more confident since I was 40, much more happy with the person I am and, and the situation I'm in. So I would definitely say this is the right side of 40. Excellent. I mean, that's what we hear in general, that that's how people feel. You spend your whole 20s and 30s dreading 40, but actually it does seem to be where women seem to I don't know like you say things come together I mean Mm -hmm. maybe it's kind of children growing up a bit and careers progressing or or just feeling acceptance of yourself I feel the same actually I mean I quite enjoyed the early bits as well but it's certainly you know over 40 is not what it was made out to be which is what our podcast is all about so Helen you are a social worker yes and there are certain jobs which instantly make me think that's a tough one you know jobs which I really admire people for doing and they do tend to be in the more sort of vocational line in terms of nurse you know paramedic teacher policeman and social worker is definitely one of those for me I think they are ordinary jobs in a sense of you know ordinary jobs that ordinary people do but there is something extra ordinary about it the dedication they require and the importance of what you need to achieve so it's not to go to be doing this in your late 40s. This, you know, to me is like, how did this happen? Did you wake up one morning and go, do you know what? I, after I put the washing on, I think I'll become a social worker. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that for me at all. I, I got to a point where I'd, after coming back to work or from having children from being at home, I'd been working part time for a couple of years and my husband Mo was increasingly keen on me getting what he called a proper job. So <laughs> I, <laughs> How rude of him! <laughs> so that I could be earning properly. Um, oh, I see. Uh, That's how he defines him. a yes. proper job with proper oh, yes. money. Pro- proper money. Yeah. Um, and 
although I'd always worked in the voluntary and community sector in the early 90s, when I was kind of doing that originally, there was Labour government, Tony Blair, there was a, it was, wasn't massively easy but there was a lot of money around for voluntary and community sector and supporting charities and things like that whereas when I came back the landscape had completely changed and there was very very limited funding and the job that I had the neighborhood warden job I had was pretty much funded in a three monthly to three monthly cycle Mm. And um, it eventually got to the point where they weren't going to be able to renew that funding and that and that post had come to an end. So I was effectively redundant and looking for something to do. And I saw an advert for a university course to be a social worker where it said something like, oh, we you normally have to apply by October, but um, we've got extra places. We're, we're open until January. Why not apply? And. It's something that had intrigued me in the past and I thought, oh, that would be good. And in my other, in my jobs up to then, I'd started to get very frustrated. I worked a lot with the homeless as a warden and I felt very frustrated that I was helping people when things had already got too far mm-hmm. and they were already very, very desperate. And I wanted to do something where I might be able to help people earlier on in the process and stop them getting to that point and social workers seemed to fit that bill Mo wanted me to get a proper job (laughs) and um so it's the the preventative side of it then (laughs) yeah and and Mo had already done a master's and was working on a doctorate and when we'd first set up together um we'd had quite modest we got quite a modest setup we got quite a small house and we always knew that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom so we hadn't taken on too much extra commitment so and, and I'm aware increasingly of how lucky I was here but I was able to take that time to retrain as something Mo was willing to support me especially if it led to a proper job <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, you as you had been supporting him by, you know, looking after his family all of those years. Let's let's put this in balance. <laughs> yes, and and I agree that is that is very very true. But let's say we've we've got different perspectives when it comes to that. <laughs> I often tried to make the argument about the financial value of the work I was doing at home, but it didn't quite have the cachet of the actual cash I think <laughs> fair enough I think most people find that yeah that discussion going on yeah. what was the course like so you know you've got this idea that you want to do something preventative you want to get in the process you know before things go terribly wrong I mean that's incredible and but then there's there's this collision with reality I assume that you know you get to the course and maybe it's not what you expect or what was the course like so I I absolutely loved it um and and there's all sorts of reasons for that but were you doing it full time yes it was it was a full-time course which was near enough to commute to and because it was a degree there's there's lots of different ways of getting into social work now fast track ways but because it was a degree it was equally balanced between practical and academic and the training is to be a social worker for adults or children. You do choose a specialism in the second year. And obviously, when you do a job, you have to choose which way you want to go. But initially, you're trained for both. And I suppose nothing was what I expected it to be at all. But way? then at the same 
well, what I was going to say was that I felt like I'd been training for it all my life because it, <laughs> it used every skill, every experience, every interest and talent I had. So so it felt really a really good fit. Sorry to interrupt. What were the skills that you you suddenly went, oh, I can do that. I can do that. This is what made it a good fit for you. So social work comes out of initial kind of um, charitable behaviour by philanthropists in, in kind of Victorian times. So week one was about that. And I've always liked things like Jack the Ripper and Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> You like, thought it was, of course, on Netflix or Amazon Prime. No, no, it was like, oh, twi- London streets at twilight and, you know, the, the 1800s. This is my favourite period of time. And from Fair then enough. on, just everything. We talked about all sorts of things that, that just came into my um, area of interests. You need to be a really good listener, which which I've always been good at, and observe people and observe situations from the outside first which again is the way that I'd always uh, approach things obviously you need empathy uh, you need a lot of time management be able to take very quick very accurate notes which had come from my other work in life you need to be very adaptable but focused um, you need to be able to use toys and crafts in a way of getting people <laughs> talk or people and children talking and engaging and I've always been I've always had a kind of blue peter personality <laughs> you know yeah if I haven't got it I'll make it um so it was it was things like that really that made it a good fit then everything the the things you have to think about there's so much potential for bias that you've got to be kind of conscious of not falling into everything everything can be a, a bias so sexism feminism prejudices views on class views on parental roles views on background you know you really have to be aware when you're meeting a new family of making sure you don't make any of those assumptions and that recognizing everybody comes with their own set of of prejudice prejudices and values and expectations and you have to recognize what they are for you they don't bias your practice so it was do you think being older because i certainly think as i get older i am not exactly less extreme in my views but i i give a lot more latitude i think to the to people and the overall situation you know I recognize that there are different ways to be and people do have different values do you think training to be a social worker at you know over 40 in this period of our lives do you think that helped I do and and there were there were there was one person on my course who was older than me by a little bit and there were maybe two or three who were close to my age and then everybody else had pretty much gone you know school first degree second degree and and so a lot of them had never had a proper job for want <laughs> of a better term and I could see them when we did, we had placements. So we went out into the workplace as part of our training. And they very much struggled with things like respect for your boss and the customer is always right. And, you know, not taking it personally if somebody doesn't talk to you politely because you're there to provide a service. Whereas because I'd had several jobs and 
made my way through everything from having an interview for a mortgage to working on a PTA or something like that. I, as you say, with with experience comes a lot more patience and Mm. understanding that that the rest of the world, the general public, are different to you, but have expectations of how to be treated. And if that's different to how you talk to somebody or how you want to be talked to, that's not wrong. And Mm. it's probably not rude. It's just a different point of view. Yeah. But a lot of the younger people on the course found those things really big hurdles before they got to the kind of stuff you were talking about about it being a challenging job and an emotional job Mm. and I wondered I've got no proof for this but I wondered if that partly counted towards such a high turnover there are there is in careers like social work or nursing or something like that Mm. that if people are facing the difficult aspects of their job alongside basic this is what it's like to be in the world of work learning That's a huge amount to take on yeah they're learning to be an adult themselves aren't they and to be someone in the world and and how to negotiate Definitely. with all different sorts of people on a daily basis without actually factoring it into the job yeah. themselves I mean do you think you would have struggled if when you were young if you'd done this straight from university what do you think well I've had a job since I was 13 I was <laughs> I was <laughs> very financially driven and ready was yeah it, i did was it down pit i just want to <laughs> clarify <laughs> oh, to the chimney yeah because <laughs> no, obviously from i'm from you know you know the seaside so i worked on the trawlers at eight so <laughs> <laughs> no i had um, a paper round and oh, then i, I had yeah I had a Saturday job in boots where strange women would show me their bunions and all sorts (laughs) so I do I got all that working with customers and and so on and I and also I'd done things I mean I don't know makes me sound very old but I don't know what the youth of today is like but um (laughs) you know I'd done jumble sales and I'd had stalls at fundraising fairs for brownies and guides and things like that so I had a very similar similar upbringing, actually. My parents had a um, holiday business. They used to clean the flats, holiday flats, every Saturday. Yeah. And so we all had to help. So from probably like the age of five, you know, I was there probably not helping a lot, but there was a definitely yeah. sense of being involved in things. And then definitely the whole, yeah, the whole brownie and guide and mm. helping out old people's homes and you know singing at Christmas concerts and serving tea to old folk and stuff but I think there's plenty of young people that do do I'm I'm sure there are but but that's what I felt was yeah different with a lot of the people on this course that that they hadn't had that kind of experience but Mm. it's so fascinating because it really could go either way couldn't it you know you might be older and more sort of experience so that you have a lot more empathy. And like you said, you know, you've lived, you have lived experience for some of the things that some of your clients will have also will be, you know, challenged by, like you say, getting a mortgage or trying to get a job or, you know, do sort of everyday things. But I think as you're older, it could really go either way. You might think, oh, I've managed it. Why can't you manage it? And, you know, have a very closed (laughs) mind about it. Or you might actually be very open and empathetic as you've 
described. So it is really interesting that I, I do wonder if there's a bias there where you have a bias for the empathy, whereas maybe other people might not have that bias, which sounds like a really great strength for what you're doing. Mm. It's it's true. And, and I mean, if I meet a family who've had a social worker before and have had a bad experience, I always say, you know, it's like any other job. There'll be good ones and bad ones. But it's it's very much a catch-22 kind of citing experience as making you a more empathetic or a better social worker. Because, for example, in the area of parenting, I've been through sleepless nights. I've been through having teenagers. And, and obviously that experience informs how I feel. But plenty of people, especially on my course, were trained to be social workers who weren't parents, they weren't married. And we're very careful not to say that you need to be a parent to be able to be a children's social worker because I'm lucky or lucky might not even be the best word to describe it but (laughs) none of my children are physically disabled Mm. but I still may provide social work advice to a family who have children with physical disabilities I mean I, I have been in that position and my training covered everything I needed to know I wouldn't want someone to say to me they thought I was a less qualified or a poorer social worker for that family because I hadn't got that experience and in the same way we don't want to say that a social worker who hasn't got their own children is any less qualified to deal with a family of children than one who has. No Um, and I, I don't think that's what we are saying either is it it's just that in terms of your experience you've you've come to this at a point in your life kind of armed with a lot of skills that are helping you yeah but I mean even earlier than that you've obviously got an aptitude towards it in terms of you know those skills you talked about before in terms of empathy and listening and and just and wanting I mean you the work wanting to do something to improve the lives of others because you'd already worked in that sort of volunteer sphere hadn't you What was it like going back to school, aged 40-something? I absolutely loved it. I feel it was such a privilege. And and I hadn't... I mean, no offence to Caroline, we we went to the same university at the same time, but that's where we kind of met. I didn't make the most of my time at university. I'd gone straight from school to A-levels to university. It was my first time living away from home. And if I could skip a lecture or avoid reading a book or something (laughs) like that... I did. And that was just fantastic for me. So I didn't make the most of it. But having had a life academically, you didn't make the most of it academically is what you're saying. Well, I I was very naive. I hope hope you balanced it out on the uh, enjoying yourself side. Yeah, a bit. The bits with you were good. But So having had a life and and all the things, the ups and downs that go with that and being busy and being a parent and all those things, to then be in a position where you can go and learn something new and study it and really focus on it. And because it was full time and like I say, I really appreciate I was lucky enough to do this and I was supported by my husband. It was it was just brilliant 
to be able to recognize how rare that is and to be able to kind of just submerge myself in learning something new and testing it out and finding out that I was quite good at it. It it was fantastic. And, you know, other people would moan if they didn't like the style of a lecturer. And, and I was very intimidated by the essays and the language, uh, the academic language, because I, I hadn't done that for a really long time. And, and also academic language is not one of my strengths. So I really had to work at that. But yeah, where other people were moaning and like, oh, God, not another one like this. I'm like, yay, it's more 19th century (laughs) history or it's more politics. Oh, oh, yeah, brilliant. Let's learn about. um... Oh, crikey. I'm trying to I'm trying to rack my brains for something I didn't enjoy learning about. There was there was a lot of legal stuff. We had a law exam. I mean, growing up and in my early 20s, 30s, I would have never expected a law exam to be in my future completely alien to anything I'd done before but yeah I learned all that and I learned about the laws and I can quote at just about so um, <laughs> I really loved it. it it I'm sure it wouldn't be for everybody for all sorts of reasons but for me uh, oh, it was tremendous did it did anyone try and put you off I think some of the people around me, my my parents, obviously, I'm very close to them, and my sister. And I think they were concerned that the work might be too harrowing. And That would be my first me thought, too. actually. And, and they were worried that I would take on something and then not be able to deal with it. And also, it's it's kind of widely known that social workers burn out and, and it's a terribly stressful job. Yeah. I I wasn't worried by that. I've always been able to, since very early through teens and 20s and parenting and everything, I've always had a kind of agony aunt role. Um, <laughs> I've, I've always been that person. I used to love reading agony aunt pages when I was younger. So, when... did, so did we. You've exactly. been preparing for this for a very long time. <laughs> this is the thing. And, and so I, I knew I could take on really difficult and harrowing stories, but managed to put it in a place where it didn't stop me in my tracks for the rest you know in in the other areas of my life I'm able to keep it in in a compartment if you like and also in the training that's a really big part of the training of being able to take on these stories and deal with them and on the days when you can't deal with them how to get support how to give support to your colleagues how to kind of debrief and and de decompress from those situations so if I thought I couldn't handle that I wouldn't have taken it on my sister retrained in in her 30s rather than in her 40s but she also retrained and became a speech and language therapist and and she works very much with adults of all ages who have speech and language problems due to cancer she quite often has patients who pass away and I know that's something I wouldn't be able to manage so that's not an area of career that I could take on and she says the same to me and and I I think that probably comes from age and experience as well knowing what you can handle and what you can't handle and being honest about it right I think that's also something that comes with age is that you are much one is much more accepting of what one can't handle and I think a bit more transparent about it do you feel similarly yeah I've I've got no problem being honest with my managers and my colleagues about what I find difficult and what I don't find difficult because I know the wisdom of doing that and that it's it's not a reflection on my 
abilities. To me, it's just about putting resources in the right place. And I find that cases do get to me from time to time. That's that's inevitable. But I find that the cases that get to me that I think about when I get home, that I worry about over the weekend, are not the cases that somebody who's not a social worker might think they were. The kind of stuff that you might you know, the, the really horrendous stuff that you might see on the news and so often and, and so on. By the time a social worker's involved, those events have normally finished. It's still horrific that those events have happened, but those events have finished. And, and my role is to make sure that that child gets the support they need going forward and that the family get the support they need going forward. The ones that live with me are ones that wouldn't make the news but where perhaps a child isn't as as loved or as cared for as I think they should be. Oh, don't that just saying that actually makes me want to cry. That's I totally get that. And, yeah, and, and that because there's that's, not a lot you can do about that, is there? No, there is, there is, but it's a much harder job. It's okay. a much harder fix because you're yeah. working with the whole family and you've got to change things that maybe for good reasons, but for things that have been the way they've been for some time and and you know you have to bring the parents and bring the children along with you and and help everyone to understand what's going on and and Mm. so those are the cases that are difficult to me in that Mm. sense and then the other side that's really difficult that people don't think about before they go into this job and I certainly didn't is alongside all that and the emotional work and the face-to-face work there's a huge amount of paperwork yeah. I you was know, gonna I, ask how, how are you finding the the level of what you know, the amount of work? Is it manageable? Is it all absorbing? Is it a challenge? It's very difficult. You yeah. know, they, and this is a national problem. There's a national shortage of, of social workers and the amount of, of families and children that need help is rising, not least because we now see a lot of people whose problems were hidden during the COVID lockdown. And now they, they start to come out. And the amount of work, I mean, the kind of essays I did for university for the for the training, the masters, I'm doing that kind of essay sometimes two, three times a day in the form of the reports that I have to write. Wow. Which I do, you know, that's part of the job and you have to do it. And it's important that that's done well because that's the basis of what happens next and if the case comes back. But I hadn't expected that to be part of the work until I mean obviously they tell you when you're training but I'd, I'd <laughs> imagine the face-to-face the personal side of it the practical if you like which I find you know I, I love doing and I think I've got skills in that area the the paperwork and the written work is a slog and and you can't take your eye off the ball and you can't do it in the amount of hours that that you're recruited for you know it, it is a job mm. that goes home with you in that sense so how long does it take to train? So you did the master's. Was that one or two years? It's two years full time. So longer okay. if it's part time. Yeah. And these days you have to have a degree in social work, either be a bachelor's degree or a master's to practice to be a social worker because it's a profession obviously we have a register that we have to be registered on much like a doctor and if you're not up to scratch you get struck off. 
So you, you have to have that degree now. And within that degree, in the first year, you get a placement of, I think it's about 12 weeks, something like that. And then in the second year, you get um, longer. I think it's 16 or 18 weeks and in that placement you're in the workplace doing the work you just obviously don't have the legal responsibility so yeah and and you can go from scratch to qualified which is what I did really how long does that take then is that after you've done the masters you've done those two placements are you qualified or do you is there more when you Um, go into the workplace you need to be guaranteed to have passed but not guaranteed you need to confirm that you've passed so obviously I think my placement finished the second week of July and we didn't get confirmation of our qualification till the end of August and so up to that point you can be employed but you're not a qualified social worker but then once once you're Pass is, is confirmed. Yes, you work as a qualified social worker. And what was amazing to me, and and I think probably uh, Caroline, when you were at university, the same was for you. When we were at university, we went into it from the generation who believed, oh, you get a degree, you've got a job. That's it. Doesn't matter what your degree is. Doesn't matter what you did, job for you when you come out. And then by the time we came out, that was so much not the case. And everybody who got their degree ended up in a job that, not everybody, but most people ended up in the first job that had nothing to do with what they trained in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I certainly went through a period of unemployment and, and, you know, it was was hard to get a job. Yeah. Doing social work, again, because of the high turnover and the national shortage, while we were still on the course, different local councils came and made presentations to my class begging us to apply to them to work I can't imagine what it's like to be wanted (laughs) I've never had that and of course the younger people didn't know this was unusual (laughs) I went to a jobs fair and there was competition between how many perks they could offer you to just go for an interview which was a completely alien world. I knew where I wanted to work. I wasn't going to be swayed to go somewhere else. There were so many jobs. You were guaranteed a job. I chose because I wanted a bit of a break and because I had children. So we finished in the second week of July and I didn't want to start work until the children went back to school. Mm. So I, so we finished in the second week of July. That March at the jobs fair... I had an initial interview. They recalled me for a proper interview. I was offered a job on the condition that I passed the course. And I said, well, yeah, but I don't want to start till September. And they went, yeah, all right. And, you know what? And- We're laughing about it. But actually, it's kind of awful as well, isn't it? Because that's how much social workers are in demand, that they're needed, that more people are needed. In fact, I think we should put a link to recruitment in the... <laughs> after this interview because more people need to be doing this really important job yeah Um, yeah and and you know you could also say obviously I'm brilliant 
but, <laughs> well, that goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that could reflect on standards. You know, if an industry is that desperate for qualified people, and I mean, coming again from the perspective of the over 40s during lockdown, much like in the in the health industry, people who'd stopped being social workers, who'd come off that register effectively because you, you have to keep practising to stay on it. You know, you have mm. to, to, to be active. They were begging people to come back and, and people who'd retired to come back and people who'd gone to another area to come back. And they were, you know, offering to help. And, and yes, we do. We, we desperately need more social workers. But looking at it objectively, that, that has a risk attached to it around yeah. standards and expectations. Mm. I wanted to ask about that because once you're qualified and you're sort of you're on the job is there any kind of sort of support or probationary period or supervision that comes with that all of that um there is a probationary first year um that isn't compulsory at the moment but most employers expect you to do it and the initials are ASYE but it's a first year program where theoretically you have a smaller number of caseloads you your practice is observed you have to do a couple of essays and a lot of self-reflection there's there's a huge amount of self-reflection and reflective practice in social work and you have to do a portfolio and if you pass that you then it's certainly in in my area most areas you get a bit of a pay rise and then you get to do full cases now i was told that on the asye year we would have a maximum of six cases and by the end of my second week i'd already got 50 so they're not able to keep to that but you are protected to a certain extent there's a lot of supervision in social work it's all both from peers and from managers Knowing what you know now, you know, would you encourage women of our own age or people of our age or older, would you encourage people to do this course, you know, the, the master's degree or the undergraduate degree? I do. I do. I mean, it's it's a huge commitment in time to study, although there are a number of ways that you can be supported to study alongside working, not obviously not as a qualified social worker, but as there are various social work support roles that they now offer alongside training. There's there's a real appetite for apprenticeships. Um, in social work, which is a great way for people our age to get involved. But it's a commitment of time. It's a commitment of your emotional resources, which goes without saying. But I think it's very much suited to people of our age, men and women. But the profession, like a lot of caring professions, is is predominantly staffed by women. Well, There's no... That is. I mean, it's very common in all the caring professionals. But in social work, do you have any view on why that would be not really i think it's it's a kind of a historic legacy from from being a traditional role i don't think there's any reason that women are better at it than men or vice versa when i when i was just starting i had a couple of visits to dance where i was shadowing a male social worker and the dad's attitude to me was very different because I was a woman. But then there was a man in the room. These days I go out on my own and I suppose I've got nothing to compare it with, but I don't find it harder to deal with dads than I do with, with moms or, or 
females and males. But the thing about a job in in this in this career is it's and I'm obviously I'm far too young to have thought of this yet, but it's <laughs> not the kind of career where you're going to reach a point where you have to retire because you can't cope with it anymore as long as you've got your faculties you know it's not physically taxing the longer you do it and the more experience you've got the more valuable you are and the the kind of social work I do is is on the front door so I take new cases I do child protection I'm at the kind of very very extreme end of the of the arc if you like there's lots of specialisms that social workers can have that are much more office-based that are less emotionally dramatic or draining that you can then move into as as you get older or as you want to to take a quieter life if you like so (laughs) I, I think it is a really valuable profession and an option at any age and you know it is we we desperately need more social workers so it's so interesting because I think certainly when even I started thinking about this podcast the idea was that you worked in your 40s you sort of peaked in your 40s you worked for probably 10 or so more years this is based on our parents experience and then in your late 50s to 60 you retire whereas I don't think that's the case for our generation and also I don't think it's actually that recommended now that you you do retire that you do you know it's more important to have kind of purpose and you know from a psychological perspective but also just financially I don't think people can afford to retire early yes and and then finding a career where which you can be you know find it rewarding and carry that on you know into later years is I think it's really attractive yeah I, I think so I think so and it is really rewarding but I mean an example of what you say about what our parents example was my my mom initially was a teacher and they changed retirement laws so she could have taken early retirement at 55 she actually took it at 50 but then because she then was responsible for paying um the fees for my grandma to be in a in a home she actually went back to work at about 53 and didn't retire till she was gone 60 so the financial needs are are very much a factor now and yeah. also, of course, our generation, who knows what age we're going to be when we qualify for a pension. Um, <laughs> so you have to look at it as, a, as an ongoing road, I think. Yeah. I, I don't think there's an alternative. And do your colleagues look at you? This is something Caroline and I really wanted to ask is, do your colleagues look at you and think, wait a minute, you've joined at this age where the rest of us are dreaming of retirement? No, it's 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 really hard to explain, but that's just not the way social workers look at each other. We're such a diverse group of people. And within my team, you know, I've got people in their early 20s, people in their mid 30s, lots in their 40s, maybe one or two in their 50s. And and the same is, is the same across the whole organisation, that everybody's aware. And also, you know, that at any time, somebody could feel it, that it had got too much for them, they needed to leave. So I think it's a profession certainly from my experience, where once you're working, because obviously training is different, once you're working, I think everybody just lives in the present. When I meet families, they assume I've been a social worker all my life and I don't necessarily challenge that assumption. (laughs) That's interesting though, isn't it? That they 
assume that you have because of your age. And I think you yeah. said to me when we, you know, we first talked about you joining us on the podcast about the fact that your colleagues also sometimes think you know more than you do because they assume you've been around longer. Yes, colleagues who are not working with me on a day-to-day basis, yes, um, very much assume that I've I'm died in the wool when actually I've only been practising for three <laughs> weeks, uh, three years, not three weeks. Is that hard, um, though? Only occasionally. I think there's been one instance where somebody expected me where I was kind of admonished for not doing something correctly. And I hadn't done it before, but they'd assumed that I'd done it many, many, many times. And then there was another time where I told somebody that because I have a view when when I have been working for a bit longer, what I'd like to go into is there's kind of um, an advisory role where somebody chairs child protection conferences and, and, and is kind of an independent adjudicator in that role. And that's where I'd like to be in a couple of years time. And I told somebody who was already doing that job, I said, oh, I'd, I'd quite like to be doing what you're doing. And she said, oh, oh, we need people. We're recruiting now. And I said, I've only been a social worker for two years. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it comes up occasionally, but it's not a huge problem. Have there been any surprises, good surprises, since picking this up? You know, so when you think about you know, your journey from thinking about getting a proper job to studying and then having a proper job, just really something you just didn't expect was going to be an outcome or the way it was going to work? I I find that hard to answer because I don't like to think of myself as being surprised by anything. But I think I've never had a job before where I wasn't kind of regretting it after about 18 months. I I used to feel that about 18 months was when everything sort of caught up with me and anything I dodged, people would find out about and anything that I was too late with people, you know, or the filing I hadn't done or whatever it may be. (laughs) And I still love this job as, as much as I ever have, as much as I loved starting the course, even though it's hard and it's tiring and and it's taxing. So I suppose that's quite surprising that I, I still really love the work. And has it changed the dynamics at home at all I mean now is is Mo feeling better now you've got a proper job and <laughs> uh, is everybody helping you you know when I was working part-time I'm, I'm very lucky in my husband in Mo um, we've always shared the parenting 50-50 we've always shared the cooking 50-50 and he does all the housework because I don't do housework <laughs> wow wow he's exactly he does the ironing you know it, <laughs> I am the husband if it was a traditional relationship. And so he should. Well, yes. My Um, husband also does the ironing. so. (laughs) So I'm very lucky from that point of view. However, because I arguably because I was at home while they were very young and then I was working part time after that. Mo works in academia. He's in management now, but he's been a lecturer and worked his way up in universities. So if a child was ill and needed picking up or needed to stay at home or needed taken to a play date, any of these things, I was the one who was available. And if somebody needs to go home from work, that was me because my job wasn't as proper as his. Which was I've, which was, I've been there. I know yeah. what I know what you're saying. Yeah. I and and fair enough to a certain yeah. degree. That was okay. But in social work, that's not the case. Now my job is it's harder to leave my job in the day than it is for Mo to leave his because I've got families who depend on me. I've got 
legal timescales to me. I've got legal and statutory responsibilities. And, you know, in the worst case scenario, it's not quite a case of life and death, but it it could be about a child being saved from injury or saved from harm. I have to be where I have to be. And I think Mo's found that very hard to adjust to mm. and regularly forgets. <laughs> no, I think I think when you've had that that sort of arrangement and I think it's very common that yeah. one person is tends to be more available and, and gets becomes the person that does that and I've certainly you know my husband's a teacher it, it was always felt my job was much more flexible and mm. I can take time out so if I wasn't available it became a really big, big deal. deal. You know, a lot of arrangement and like, what do I do and where do I go and what time, you know. But, you know, they make the adjustment. But it's interesting because that really is a big a big switch at home really yeah. then for you, isn't it? We deal with it. It's it's yeah. not a massive problem. It, it, it is just something that's needed adjusted to. And I think when I first started, they don't say it so much now because they understand that what I deal with is quite different to their lives. But when I very first started, the children would say, um, oh, don't be social working us now, mom. <laughs> you know, if, if they said they wanted to stay out with their friends and I said, oh, OK, you've got to be back home before it's dark. Well, we're not we're not going to have any problems. You don't need to be a social worker, Mom. <laughs> it's become a new term of abuse, isn't it? <laughs> they sound it's very just... well-adjusted children. <laughs> well, but of course, the flip side, this is a, a disadvantage that I hadn't mentioned. I, I know the worst that can happen. I know the areas where terrible things have happened. And I have to be very careful about remembering that, that my personal life, my children's day-to-day lives is different and that although I see some terrible things or hear about some terrible things that's kind of the top one or two percent of events and and to remember that's not everybody's experience so they they, they're right up to a point but it doesn't hurt to be a social worker mom sometimes (laughs) (laughs) I think I think we could all do with a bit of that training actually definitely definitely that seems like a really good place to end it and you know maybe we should all be a little bit social worker mom (laughs) (laughs) there ought to be courses i've I've always said we should be sent on courses definitely (laughs) thank you so much for talking to us today it's been delightful it's been really inspiring actually you know you sort of in some ways demystified something like i said at the beginning you know i think it's a really really challenging job But yeah, no, just very inspiring and very interesting. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, let us know about it. We also want to hear what you've been up to since turning 40. Get in touch on our website, rightsideof40pod.com. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at rightside40 or Instagram at rightsideof40pod. All content is arranged by Eve and Caroline. And a big thank you to Terry and V. Neal for writing, performing and mixing the original music.